Welcome. I'm Richard Prosh, and this is another edition of the Six Gun Justice Conversation. These are occasional bonus downloads where my co-host Paul Bishop or I get to hang out around the virtual Six Gun Justice campfire and spend some time talking with friends who work in the Western genre. With me for this edition are writers and editors Nancy Plain and Rocky Gibbons. Nancy Plain is an award-winning writer of biographies and histories for young readers and readers of all ages. Her books include This Strange Wilderness, The Life and Art of John James Audubon, and Light on the Prairie, Solomon D. Butcher, photographer of Nebraska's pioneer days. Among Plain's literary awards are three Spur Awards for Best Western Juvenile Nonfiction, the Nebraska Book Award for Youth Nonfiction, and the Will Rogers Medallion Award. Rochelle Rocky Gibbons grew up along the San Pedro River in southern Arizona, where she learned to love the outdoors and everything Western. Her writing career began in 1975 when she was hired as an advertising copywriter for KCPX Radio TV, later KTVX, in Salt Lake City, Utah. She writes the Big Buckaroo series of children's books with the title character based on her cousin, the late A.C. Ecker. Two of her books have been awarded Spur finalist honors in 2013 and 2017 by the Western Writers of America. Nancy and Rocky's latest work is a collaboration, Why Cows Need Cowboys, a collection of dramatic nonfiction essays for young readers published by the Western Writers of America with Two Dot Publishing. Thanks for reining in today for some informal conversation. Oh my gosh, we sound amazing, don't we? <laughs> yes, we do. You're, you're too kind, Rich, and, and we are delighted to represent Western Writers of America and to be here with you today. Thanks for having us, Rich. You're welcome. So how did the anthology project come to be? Like, whose idea was it? And is it part of a larger youth outreach program at WWA? Or, or what's the story on this book? Maybe I'll, I'll take that one, Rocky. <laughs> I'm one of the few members of WWA from the East Coast. And, you know, I proudly hold that banner. So Western Writers of America publishes a lot of good anthologies and have published them over the years. When I was vice president of the organization, I spoke to our executive director, Candy Moulton, about possible young readers anthology. So um, in 2019, when I became president, I wrote up a proposal and sent it to Two Dot Publishers, which was was our first choice uh, for a publishing company, absolutely. And we were thrilled when they accepted it right away. They accepted the proposal and then Rocky and I got to work and it was just tremendous fun. The WWA also has a program called Packing the West, which is an outreach to schools to share Western history with young people. There seems to be kind of a, a great movement here to, to share the WWA membership with young people. The Packing the West program is just an amazing program, which is just coming together now. It's a, a, an in-person presentation to certain schools a lot of our WWA members are volunteering to, to make the presentations in the schools. Chris Entz is very instrumental in generating this whole program. And it's split into five different categories. You'll have to help me, Nancy. It's um, women, historical characters. Trails West. Trails West. Indian, yep. Indian tribes. That's it. That's, that's the four. Yeah, that, that was it, yeah. So uh, Chris packs up a trunk or the, or the volunteer who will do the presentation, packs up a, a trunk full of all kinds of artifacts and 
examples of Old West living, and it includes books. Fortunately, one of one of the books she leaves behind in that trunk with the school class is by Cows Need Cowboys. So it's tied together to help educate young readers on the Old West and the New West, you know, the West in general. I think it's really funny because Chris, when she asked one school group in her presentation, name some of the Old West, you know, women characters that you can think of. And she expected to hear Calamity Jane, Annie Oakley. And instead, she got the response, the Golden Girls. (laughs) So she had to ask, you mean the TV series? And they said, yes. So that's what this class thought were Old West women. So we, we need to try to go back further than the Golden Girl. <laughs> so there's there's some good work to be done here, I think. Oh, absolutely. It's going to be just an amazing program. I, I'd like to say also that it, it really, all of this, Packing the West, the anthology, they really go straight to the heart of what WWA is about because we love and, and honor American history, Western in particular, and we really want kids to get as excited about it as we are. You know, a lot of us worry that that history is being lost a little bit in the schools. I hope I'm wrong, but history is, is not only what you see in the columns of, of textbooks and the kind of dry writing that makes kids kind of hate it. To us, history is just an infinite number of stories that run the gamut from really funny to tragic and everything in between. It's 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 all about the story. That leads really well into my next question. The anthology is a series of dramatic nonfiction essays, kind of seldom told tales, not fiction, but not exactly, as you said, not the sort of staid historic reporting that is in most school textbooks. How did you go about choosing the fiction and the nonfiction authors for the project? Because I looked at the list of authors and I was struck by some of these folks are are usually known as fiction authors, and some of them are are strictly nonfiction as far as you know most people are concerned. So it's a good mix of people. How did you how did you decide who to choose? When we started uh, consulting on that, Nancy, we had we had a list of a lot more than 20 authors. And we kind of went through and we went for a lot of the young reader authors or children's authors to begin with. How did we how did we narrow it down? It was hard because there yeah. is such incredible talent in the organization. We just we only hope we could do more because there are obviously more than 20 people who can write a great story, whether fiction or nonfiction. And as far as your your Correct observation that there are a lot of fiction writers within who are writing nonfiction for this book. Rocky and I feel that nonfiction can be as exciting as fiction. And then if you can write an exciting fiction piece, you can translate it to nonfiction. It's um, not that big a step. Yeah, and I think that some of the fiction authors can bring a certain amount of, you know, unexpected creativity to you know, I'm thinking about Matt Mayo's story. That's the prehistoric yeah. kind of a prehist. There's a prehistoric element there that's a that's just a surprising. You know, I wasn't expecting something like that. Well, we weren't either. We were delighted to get that because um, it really expanded our time span a lot. <laughs> yeah. Now, Rocky's your story in this new collection is extremely personal, having to do with your cousin who was in the Granite Mountain Hot Shots. When you had the opportunity to contribute, was that something that you just that, you know, you wanted to do, you thought, well, that's what I'm going to do. 
Well, you know, I first of all thought about several other stories. I thought about Olive Oatman, the story, the the tattooed woman. Mm -hmm. I thought about that one first. And Nancy Plain is the one who said, my gosh, you have this fascinating story right here in your family. You You should tell that one. So I decided to go that direction. A lot of people don't know the Granite Mountain Hotshots were fighting a fire in 2013 near Yarnell, Arizona. And unfortunately, I mean, they, they were in the black. They headed for the safe zone at that very moment that they headed down a box canyon. The fire freakishly turned around and headed right towards them. And they were down in this canyon, so they couldn't see it coming towards them. They were very, very close to the safe zone, this ranch there, when the fire overtook them. And they had to deploy their survival shelters. So tragically, I mean, the fire was just too hot and their shelters just didn't didn't protect them at all. 19 members of that crew, and there were only 20 of them, lost their lives in that fire. So one of them was my cousin, Joe Thurston. So in my story in this anthology, I'd like to tell a little more about Joe's life because he was a family man. He was descended from Utah pioneer stock. And he had hopes and dreams that unfortunately didn't come to be. So it's it's a really sad story. It's probably the saddest story in the collection. But it's one that I really want people to become aware of and acknowledge it and not forget the sacrifice that these wildland firefighters made. This was the biggest loss of firefighter lives since 9-11. Wow, it's so tragic. And it's it's so wonderful that you could share that story and honor them that way and, and just educate people as, as to the history there. N- Nancy, when you had the list of authors ready, did you uh, then... Did you approach the writers and, and ask them to to come up with something, like as in Rocky's case, something that they wanted to do on their own, or were they assigned topics to look at, or how'd that work? Well, before I answer your question, I, I wanted to just say that Rocky did an amazing job in telling that tragic story. It was a lot of us, when we read it, just, it brought us to tears. Anyway, um, we emailed our list of, of writers. 18 of them, obviously the two of us, we didn't have to email ourselves. Um, And we asked them to think of seldom told tales. Um, And they submitted ideas. And I think 99.9% we accepted some there were some duplicates along the way. So we we kind of hashed that out a little bit. And but everybody came up with just wonderful ideas. We were very, very lucky and fortunate in our choice of writers. So they they um, submitted the stories. The only thing we told them, in addition to the seldom told aspect, was a word limit because they all had to be pretty short pieces. And uh, then the stories came ro- rolling in and we edited them. We, in some cases, we talked to the writers on the phone if we had questions, and you know, it was a, a long process, but not actually long. And in, in the publishing world, where time sometimes seems to stand still, Two Dot did an amazing job in producing this really fast. We edited. Uh, Rocky did an incredible job of collecting the illustrations, and I think you're probably going to want to ask her about that. What a wonderful experience to be to be receiving that. 
you know, to be receiving those ideas and receiving the stories and reading them for the first time. They were blown away reading some of these stories. I mean, they're, they're just right. all excellent. And I think every story is personal, very personal to that author. And many of them have uh, children, young kids as their main characters, which is another big plus. Yes, I enjoyed all the stories here. I'd like to share with our listeners the stunning array of talent that you've got. Uh, If you're interested in Western fiction today, I mean, these folks are the top names working in the industry. Vicki Rose, Chris Enns, Sherry Monahan, Vaughn McKee, Bill Markley, Johnny Boggs, Rod Miller, Matt Mayo, Candy Moulton, Larry Bjornsson. The the list just goes on and on. And all of them have contributed uh, wonderful stories. Uh, I mentioned the Matt Mayo prehistoric story. There's a a story about a certain stagecoach driver, right? Stagecoach Mary Fields, right? Right, right. And so can you tell us some... Let's talk about just some of the some of the stories that are in here, some of the different things. I know that uh, Bill Markley, I think, if I'm, if I'm getting this right, I think Bill Markley wrote the Teddy Roosevelt story. He did. Um, that was that's a little known story about Teddy Roosevelt out west when river pirates, two kind of desperados in uh, present day North Dakota near Teddy's ranch, stole his boat. And Roosevelt was, even then, a big law and order guy. And whereas a lot of the neighbors said, well, when you find them, you know, just string them up, (laughs) you know, frontier justice. But Roosevelt pursued them and brought them to justice, um, but also had a lot of compassion for them, which is really interesting. And he, we think, or Bill Markley thinks Teddy Roosevelt might actually have been instrumental in getting one of them out of jail early. So that, 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 that uh, suspect wrote Teddy Roosevelt a letter saying, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. And <laughs> can you do anything to get me out of here? And uh, according to, to Bill Markley, I think he did. The stories just lend so much to history that, it, as you say, seldom told tales, things that we might think we know or we may have heard somewhere, but to really flesh out an anecdote like that, uh, it just is really incredible. Um, Rocky, what are some of your favorites? Oh, gosh, I love them all. You know, one that I uh, I didn't know a whole lot about was um, Johnny D. Boggs' story, A Boy, Bloomers, and Baseball in the West, Smokey Joe Wood and the Bloomer Girls. Mm-hmm. I mean, we, we've all watched uh, A League of Their Own about the women baseball players back in war times. And I didn't realize that at some point, men during the war dressed up as women in order to play on these women's baseball league. And it, it's just an interesting story. I mean, this Smokey Joe Wood was, was a Kansas schoolboy, just 16, posed as a girl for the female team known as the Bloomer Girls. So he traveled with these women. And some of these men who played on the women's teams wore wigs. Others didn't. They, they were young and, you know, kind of girlish looking anyway, baby faced. But it's a really interesting story. And, and it, there's a really funny part. Of it. I'm glad you brought that up, Rocky, because Johnny has a, a segment in the story that I actually had opened up to when he's being asked to play in the girls league. And he says, are you kidding? <laughs> I, I asked, this is a quote from him. Are you kidding? I thought the guy must have been off his rocker. And the guy said, listen, you know, as well as I do, that all those bloomer girls aren't really girls. Well, I figured as much, said Smokey Joe, but those guys are wearing wigs. If you think I'm going to put on a wig, you're crazy. 
No need to, the other man says. With your baby face, you won't need one anyway. (laughs) That's terrific. Funny and informative. Yeah. 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 And that's what's so entertaining about these tales is that, uh, as we've already touched on, it's history, but it's not boring by any means. It's super entertaining. Nancy, you're a New Jersey native. We've mentioned that during the show here. (laughs) So how did you come to write about a Nebraska photographer, Solomon Butcher? Well, you know, sometimes I wonder myself why I choose the topics I do, but I, I really love to read history for pleasure. I just gravitate toward it for some reason. And I read a lot of Western history, of course, and I was seeing Butcher's iconic photographs here and there. And they just piqued my interest. And then I started to read some of the pioneer memoirs of the memoirs that people who had settled the Great Plains had written. And they also grabbed my attention. And the more I read about Solomon Butcher and how sort of a quirky, what a quirky guy he was and how he never really set out to be an artist, but how he compiled the really the most extensive record of the settling of the Great Plains that we have, I decided I really had to write his story. And I was very pleased when the University of Nebraska took the project on because they were wonderful to work with. You know, they just, the, um, the editor just said, write the story you want to write. No requirements at all. So I had a good time with that. There's a little ditty that attracted me before I began to write. The uh, settlers had such a hard time. They put a, a little ditty to an old tune and they called it Sweet Nebraska Land. And it, I'll only read you the first stanza. It's, it goes, Nebraska Land, Nebraska Land. As on thy desert soil I stand and look away across the plains, I wonder why it never rains. I mean, (laughs) half of them gave up and and moved back east because it was so hard to settle the land. Yeah, I grew up in Nebraska, so I'm I'm familiar with the Solomon Butcher and the you know the the old pictures of the families in front of their soddies and the grass roofs and the the cow or whoever on top of the on top of the house. Right, and Nancy's book was a Spur Award winner. From the Western Writers of America. It's just an excellent book. So, Rocky, this is not your first foray into juvenile or young adult material. Can you tell us a little bit about your work in the arena and, and you your, uh, your three books, I, which are, are also Spur finalists? Two of them were. The first Ooh. one, you know, I didn't even know about awards. It didn't get entered anywhere. So I, it might have been. Who knows? <laughs> it would have been. It would have been. <laughs> it would have been, yeah. No doubt. So I am one of those fiction writers, and my First three books are for younger readers than this anthology. It's for beginning readers, ages like five to nine. And I've written a series of three books, the Big Buckaroo series, like you said. The title character, Big Buckaroo, is based on, get this, Joel Thurston, the Granite Mountain hotshot. His uncle was A.C. Ecker. Okay. So... So it ties all together. These stories, including uh, my story on why cows need cowboys, are all based on the Ecker side of my family. A.C. Ecker also died tragically in 2000 from injuries sustained in a plane crash. So there have been two tragedies in this family. And um, A.C. Ecker, just so you know, the title character of Big Buckaroo, was a collegiate rodeo rider. He was an award winner in uh, rodeo. He was a bronc buster, so he rode, he rode horses. And he operated 
the ranch in eastern Utah, which is called Robber's Roost, which probably everybody knows about. AC guided Robert Redford in 1973, I believe, through the Robber's Roost area. And Robert Redford wrote his book called The Outlaw Trail, which was also turned into a National Geographic documentary. So Robert Redford wrote the entire Outlaw Trail, ending in, I think, Montana. He went all the way through Wyoming, through Utah. So he was a really interesting character, and uh, it's really, really tragic that he died so young. He was only 55 when he died. I just think that's kind of strange that all of my characters come from this Ecker family. I remember seeing the books uh, at the convention. I think you had them at the WWA convention in 2016. And and they're very colorful, fun books. The the illustrations are fun, which kind of leads us into what Nancy mentioned before. What can you both tell us about the illustrations on the cover of the book, uh, the anthology, but also there are some historic plates inside the book that illustrate the stories. We had the authors make suggestions because at first, I think Tudot was going to hire an artist to do actual drawings or illustrations for each story. And then about midway through the process, the publisher decided, no, historic photos would work better, which they work great. Ultimately, from the suggestions that the authors made, Tudot decided on the photos. They went mostly with um, Library of Congress photos or Getty images to make it easy. And for the cover, uh, the cover images that you see, You can see a lot of those are about stories that are included in this book. I mean, we have the baseball player. We have the, I think the one on the left, a lot of people thought that was a Pony Express writer, but you can tell it's a woman. So it's probably Katie Jennings from Vicki Rose's story. Who I believe was 10 years old during the Siege of the Alamo. And who, knowing after the fall of the Alamo, all the settlers in the surrounding area knew that uh, Santa Ana's army was going, was marching through the territory, you know, sort of laying waste to the territory. And she was incredibly brave. She got on the family horse and galloped through the area and warned people to get out of the way. And she she did this all by herself while her family was going for shelter, uh, I believe, in Louisiana. Not positive. And she met up with them later. She had an incredibly interesting life. She was 10 years old. Can you imagine a 10-year-old doing that today? That's what's so so neat about this book. The West was settled and created by heroes from from every aspect of, of human existence. There's some incredible quote, I wish I could remember who said this, or I'm just paraphrasing that it goes something like, life is full of ordinary people doing extraordinary things. Maybe some of the listeners will know who said that and be able to correct my paraphrasing, but I I love that. I love that idea. That's a great quote. So Nancy, is this the first of potentially more anthology entries? You, You had the initial idea and uh, approach Candy with it. Do you think there might be in the future more anthologies or collections or or books from WWA? We we Rocky and I really hope so. And um, you know, then we can go to our next batch of twenty incredible writers because oh, there are 
lots yeah. more stories to be shared. Absolutely. Right, right. And there's an endless supply of good writers and who we would dearly love to ask. I'd like to wrap up our conversation by pointing listeners to online retailers. I know the book is available at Amazon. And also, um, I should say, when we are going to put it up on the Western Writers of America website. And there should be, when it gets up on the website, there should be a buy now button. Okay. And I think that is in the works. That's fantastic. Now, before we sign off, is there anything that I've overlooked that you wanted to make sure to get out there to people? I want to mention that uh, Nancy and I worked so well together on this anthology. I mean, we were already friends, but we got to know each other a lot better through this project. And we decided we're both old school fussy grammarians. Uh That is true. (laughs) We had to fight for the commas. (laughs) Fight for those commas. Fight for the death. Where have all the commas gone? Yeah. Don't use commas anymore. It's so funny. <laughs> this keeps us up at night, right, Rocky? It's true. We had we had just so much fun with this and we worked so well together and, and true, we got to know each other. Long distance, New Jersey to Utah and back, and it, it was a blast. Oh, it was so much fun. Thank you so much, Jersey, for, for yeah. asking me to work on this. Very welcome. I'm really happy I did. It made me proud of Western Writers of America. When I read these stories, and I I read them, well, quite a few times, it just made me proud of the organization and of what kind of talent is in it and the contribution to Western literature and history. And now I'm I'm going to uh, share the uh, Western fan part of myself and say this would be a great book to take to Loveland, Colorado in June and have uh, the authors sign their stories. Great idea. Yep, and we're we're going to have a lunch party uh, at the convention in June. Even though it rolls out on May 1st, we're still going to have a lunch party to celebrate. We're going to whoop it up, right? Yeah, indeed. Fantastic. <laughs> well, thank you both for being on the show today. Thank you for having us, Rich. That was great fun. You're very welcome. Yes, right. I, I loved it. I loved our conversation. And thanks to you for listening. Paul and I appreciate your support of our Six Gun Justice podcast and hope you continue to enjoy each and every episode. As always, a hearty thank you to our sponsors, Wolfpack Publishing, author Chris Enns, and the Western Writers of America for making this podcast possible. Be sure to check our website, www.sixgunjustice.com, for links to previous podcast episodes, speed listens, and prior conversations, along with reviews, interviews, and articles from the Western genre. Till next time, keep the sun at your back and a good horse at hand. Let's ride.